0: Before today's Educator Escape episode, I wanted to bring something very cool to your attention. If you visit tfdgives.com, you have your chance for a $100 gift every week. $100 to your school, to your classroom. We give away $100 a week to any Teacher in the country. So if you want to have a chance to win, super easy, no hoops to jump through, no subscriptions, no buying anything, 100% free for your chance to win every single week, visit tfdgifts.com. Everything's explained there because TFD Supplies cares about schools, cares about teachers, and that is our way of showing it. And now, today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Educator's Gate Podcast. My name is Seth Tripp and today is Monday, August 20th, 2018. Thank you for listening in to the podcast. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I hope everybody that went back to school last week had a smooth transition into the school year. I subbed for the first time on Friday and it was a new experience for sure, but it was great to get back into the classroom. Last week, I spoke with Sharnes Givens about how she uses the story of Emmett Till to teach narrative writing. It's a powerful episode that I invite you to check out. If you would like to keep up with me on the podcast, go and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Educator Escape. Also check out EducatorEscape.com for each episode and blog content every Tuesday. Tomorrow I will be pleading my case for a four-day school week. Go check it out. If you like today's episode, go and subscribe to the podcast on most major podcast sites by searching Educator Escape. On today's podcast, from Arizona, Kimberly Zarate and I discussed her transition to teaching online from the classroom. We look to dispel some of those misconceptions about teaching online. Here's my conversation with Kimberly Zarate. did you go to high school where
1: did i go to high school i went to high school at moore park high school in moore park california and it was spectacular and i loved it there i was a musketeer but the musketeers carried swords not muskets because that would be violence
0: okay what uh where's moore park california
1: about 40 minutes north of la
0: okay okay if you could be any fictional character who would you choose
1: Okay, when you ask a literature person who's also a theater girl that question, you kind of open up the floodgates. The first one that comes to mind, and I'm going to switch genders on this one, is if you know Beverly Cleary and you know the book Dear Mr. Henshaw, you know what an impact the author, Mr. Henshaw, had on the protagonist young boy. And I would say I would like to be the equivalent of a Mr. Henshaw who could impact someone or fill a void that somebody needed, like Mr. Henshaw was kind of like a father figure, you know, but filling a void in a way that somebody needed, even just through letters and maybe even not even meeting, but just being able to inspire someone and help them to know that they were worthy and they were enough. And I think that would be a really cool character to portray.
0: I have read Beverly Cleary back when I was young, but I don't, I don't remember that one. Uh, go
1: read it today.
0: Go read it. I probably is it it's one of the is it, it's one of her chapter book play.
1: It is. Read it to your kids. It was one of my favorite books growing up. Okay. Still is probably one of my favorite books today as a thirty seven year old.
0: Okay. So fictional character, Mr. Henshaw. If you could witness any event past, present or future what would it be? Okay,
1: my minor was history. So once again,
0: <laughs> I'm a history teacher, so that's nice.
1: Yeah. Mind. Gosh, I don't witness, you know, I think I would have to say being able to watch the moon landing. Not necessarily like on the moon, but like literally be one of the people sitting in their living rooms, you know, I me mean, because that's one of the things is I'm a huge space person. My five year old is a huge space person. We watch the space station fly over, like whenever it's, you know, local and stuff like that. And it, it like kills my heart that like probably most people don't even know there's a space station with people living up there all the time right now, and that like things happen all the time, and people like you know like launches and stuff they just don't even know like what's going on and I would love to live back in a day and age when like people loved and were a part of the space and like they were glued to their televisions with anything space, and I think that would be a really a really cool thing to get to experience
0: so it sounds like you just kind of want to soak in that the pop culture from that era that around the the space race and things like that that's I like that
1: yeah yeah no definitely
0: I went I lived in Huntsville Alabama for about eight years which is where they build all of the space rockets at it's just okay it's it's also where space camp is
1: I almost got to see the shuttle launch when I was in Florida as a kid, but they postponed twice, and we already, we postponed our trip once to see if we could catch it the next day, but once they postponed a second time, we had to go home, but it was really close. I got to see it. I just didn't get to see it launch.
0: Okay. If you could have 30 minutes of free time, which it doesn't sound like that you have. She's like,
1: what's that? Free time? That's a crazy F word. I don't know that one.
0: Crazy effort. Uh, How would you you do it if you had those magical 30 minutes of free time?
1: Sleep? No. (laughs) I haven't slept in, like, six years, so why not? Honestly, like, reading an actual book, like, with pages and stuff, because so often, like, my big reading times are, like, when I'm putting kids to bed or when I'm up in the middle of the night with kids again, so I read it on my phone. But, like, I'm a girl who loves, like, books and turning pages, but, you know, I don't get a chance to just sit in a chair with my cup of coffee and my book and listen to birds and read, so... That would probably be it, or, like, I love, like, outdoor stuff, like I camp and stuff, so honestly, like, when I do have, like, quote-unquote free time where I'm not working, I'm usually, like, planning my next trip or something and figuring out where
0: I want to go. Okay, where are the good camping spots around where you are? I don't know where Avondale is.
1: Well, we're near everything. We're I'm 30 minutes west of Phoenix, Okay. and so I'm three hours south of Flagstaff, I'm two hours south of Prescott, you know, I'm an hour north of Tucson, so really... Right now, I camp with the kids, and so we go north right now because it's 112 here. So we go we go north, so it's cooler. But then, like in winter, we'll stay more local. But I mean, there's anything from lakes and mountains to snow, just all within a couple hours, just depending on what type of year and which direction you go.
0: Okay, cool. I graduated from Grand Canyon University, and we went out to do the Grand Canyon thing and stayed up at Flagstaff. It's just it's beautiful up there. We... I'm
1: I'm taking the kids to the Grand Canyon on Labor Day weekend, actually.
0: Awesome. I'm sure sure it's going to be packed.
1: I'm sure it is. But I needed, normally we do overnight trips, but I needed a two-day trip so we could, like, drive up one day, do the canyon the next day, and then come back the third day. And so that's my only, that was my only
0: option. (laughs) Okay. Well, I loved it, so I'm sure you will. And Is that your first time going or no?
1: No, I've been, but it'll be my kid's first time.
0: Okay. Awesome. And sort of segueing from the last question, because you said, before you would go out and adventure and plan and you would sit down and read a book. So what is the last book that you read and, and finished?
1: I always usually have two books going at a time. I have usually like a business book or like, you know, like a self, you know, improvement type book and then I have like a literature book usually so the last like business book i read was actually when i reread because i read it like 15 years ago but i wanted to read it again was how to win friends and influence people you know dale carnegie it's one of those books that was written like 150 years ago and it's still as applicable today as it was the day that it was written probably even more so honestly and it's just spectacular as far as just like interpersonal relationships and then the last book i read was turtles all the way down oh. yeah i love him so much i love everything he's ever written and so that was the last fiction book. I like a lot of like young adult, like, you know, because I teach high school English, like I like right. to stay on all of that. And then also, I mean, just all the stuff he, you know, he writes is, you know, spectacular looking for Alaska and all of that is just, you know, the best ever. So,
0: oh, I'm totally on page with you with John Green. He is- oh, I was
1: like, I didn't say his name, John Green. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, just I had that I had that book the moment that it came out and I and I read it in a couple of days and oh gosh, I, I read Paper Towns. It's the only book I've ever read. Well, besides a, you know, chapter book, a little chapter book in a day because I did Paper Towns. I just couldn't put it down. So
1: yeah, no, he's got such a, just a, a fantastically real relatable Voice And then, like, as soon as I saw that he was going to write, like, Turtles all the way down, because, you know, of course I'd read everything he'd written, that it was just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, stalking it until it actually
0: dropped, so. Him and his brother do the, they do the Vlogbrothers, but the other one, uh, Crash Course, you all know, those Crash Course stuff. And so I use his Crash Course videos where, have you seen those? I have not. Crash Course is kind of like, like a quick hitter history thing. Oh, very cool. I'll have to look those up. Yeah, they're really good. You can go through, you know, world history and... Thorough, they try, you try to get them world, see, they got world history and si- all the sciences and stuff like that, and so and some literature ones, and of course, because he's an author, so and they're all like 10 minutes long, so,
1: yeah. Very cool. I'll have to check them out. Thanks.
0: Why did you become a teacher, and did anybody inspire you to become a teacher?
1: I was born to be a teacher. I told my parents in sixth grade I was going to teach high school, and they were like, you have never been to a high school you don't know a high schooler you've never seen a high schooler and I'm like I'm going to teach high school and I literally never wavered from that I taught my stuffed animals in sixth grade but I taught them high school I I mean I was reading at a fifth grade level in kindergarten so like books are just in my blood you know like I just love reading I want to teach and I've always liked older like I love my little kids but like I just my world is older kids and so I just knew that's exactly what I wanted to do and Fifteen years later, I still am in the right profession, so...
0: So there's no... You didn't have, like, a big influence? You were just like, that that looks awesome, that's the thing that I want to do?
1: As far as, like, deciding to be a teacher, no. Like, I literally, like, I don't, I don't, like, it just was in me my entire life. And then, obviously, like, once I, like, went to high school and stuff, like, I have modeled my teaching off of some incredible teachers. My senior AP English teacher, my sophomore honors English teacher, my world history teacher, my sophomore year, my theater teacher, my choir teacher, like, all of them have inspired, like, how, like, I teach and, like, you know, I've taken from them. But as far as deciding to be a teacher, that was just... I mean, as long as I can remember, I wanted to do it. So,
0: so what have you taught before? And what are you doing? What are you doing now?
1: Okay. When I taught in brick and mortar schools, always English, uh, anywhere between nine through 12. Although I have taught seventh grade sporadically, although that's just not my, that's not really my world that I like to teach, but I, I prefer high school, but I have taught down to seventh before my, my, my certification will do seventh through 12. The first main job that i wanted it was at a school that was just opening and so like when i started there they were ninth and 10th and they were like you know opening like a year at a time kind of a thing and so a lot of the programs didn't exist yet or they were in the very new stages and they didn't really have a theater program and so i again i've been teaching like at this point like two months i'm brand new i mean i'm barely older than my Mm -hmm. students and i wrote up this whole proposal on like hey just fyi if you wanted to do a theater program Here's what you should do, and here's what it would look like, and here's how you would roll it out, and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And a month later, they're like, it's yours. Build it. And I literally got to build the entire theater program and stagecraft program from scratch, And literally, it was my baby. So I had an improv team. I had a competition team. I taught stagecraft. I had theater one, two, and three, and they were all mine. And so that was absolutely spectacular and incredible. And the students that I am still friends with today, who are now like in their late 20s and stuff like that, are probably some of like my best relationships because we just built with their families because, I mean, my first stagecraft room, like I had a hammer and 15 kids. So it'd be like, all right, let's all watch little Johnny as he hammers this nail and then we'll pass it. But I had a lot of parent support who would like show up at my door with like extra tools or things like that because they took pity on me like you know like you're never gonna be able to build a set with a hammer you know and so it was it was cool you know the first show that I put on was You're a Good Man Charlie Brown because it had like seven people and doesn't require a lot of sets you know and then by the time I left I was putting on like Bye Bye Birdie with like 45 cast members you know and it was just it was really cool and so that was amazing and that was my baby and then now well as soon as I got pregnant with my oldest who is now five I knew that I wanted to be at home that was never that was never like that was not a, an issue like I would be at home like like I'm not putting my kids in daycare and so the minute I got pregnant I started stocking out we have an online high school primavera high school mm-hmm. and I started stocking their adjunct positions because they have both on-campus full-time positions and then adjuncts and but it's hard to be an adjunct because a lot of people want to be adjuncts and so I literally just would, you know I had the page up all the time and I just hit refresh 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 <laughs> refresh and one day Lo and behold, it was it was there. And at the time, my son was like five months old, and we had literally just moved apartments, and our Wi-Fi wasn't going to be hooked up until like the next day. So I saw that I saw on my phone that the that the job opportunity went up, but I couldn't like. you know, you can't do everything on a phone. Some things you actually need a computer for. Mm-hmm. So I literally packed up my five-year-old Ethan, my laptop, went to Barnes & Noble where there's free Wi-Fi, had him in my lap and was uploading my resume and stuff with an hour of seeing it posted. Got a call that afternoon, interviewed the next day and got the job. And so that was December of 2013. And so this December will be five years of teaching online. I teach ninth through 12th English and then occasionally Electives, Like right now, I have a character education class as well as two English 12 classes. And then I also occasionally will teach a middle school class. But again, I prefer the high schoolers. Mm -hmm. And classes are six weeks long. They start every two weeks. So I completely, like every two weeks, I might have a different, you know, amount of students and different types of students. But I love it because I get to be home with my kids and still be teaching.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So, obviously, making the sw- you made the switch because you wanted to be at home from the traditional classroom. Is there any possibility when your kids get older that you would find yourself back in a brick and mortar, or you just like it enough that you could stay there and do that?
1: It wouldn't be right away because I want to be able to volunteer in my kids' classrooms, and if they have a field trip, I want to be able to go, and I want to be the one that picks them up from school every day, and I want to be the one that takes them things, and so... The last school I worked in before going online, it was actually kind of strange because I was used to being like, you know, the teacher who like, you know, you get to school when it's dark, you leave when it's dark type thing. Mm -hmm. And the last school I worked at, which was like an inner city Phoenix school. And it was a little bit different than like traditional school. Like they literally kicked you out of the building at 345. Like you could not stay. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I can't stay past 345. Like the kids just left at three. Like, I don't understand. So like, you know, possibly like in a situation like that, where like I would be home in the afternoons and stuff, Maybe, but honestly, like, you know, I teach and I also have my own business. I really like setting my own hours. I like working when I want and I like being able to put my family first no matter what. And so I'm not sure I'd be willing to give that up, even though I miss the relationships that you have with students in like a brick and mortar environment that you don't really build in the same way online in a six week course. But because my kids are my world, like I wouldn't want to ever sacrifice being able to do the things I want to do for them in order to go back. So, I mean, it's on my you know, it's nothing I would rule out, but it's definitely not something I have, like, in my five- or
0: ten-year plan. Gotcha, gotcha. So, what do you do online? I've, I've taken, of course, I've taken <laughs> online classes for college and things like that. What does the online classroom look like? The courseware is all...
1: There. So you don't write the curriculum. They log in and it's called like course player, like through course player. They they go through and like all the readings are there and everything they submit is through there. I provide weekly synchronous sessions where it's like a big chat room. We use Adobe Connect for that. And I can like teach supplemental materials and give additional practice like live with the students in that regard. And then I grade like all their discussion boards and their projects and all of that by hand. A lot of my job, honestly, is calling kids, being like, please log on to your computer and start doing your work, you know, (laughs) honestly. You know, it's different, you know, because, you know, so much of being online, you have to be a self-starter. You know, you're sitting you know, at home by yourself and you have to be the one to get up and you have to read and you have to be able to focus. And, you know, you're still spending three to six hours a day on your schoolwork, you know, but you, you know, so if a student's not working, we don't know. Is it because they don't have a working computer at the moment? Is it because they're just sleeping? Is it because they don't know what they're doing? You know, when you're in an actual classroom, you can see their face and you can see like, Are they exhausted? Are they lost? Are they, you know, what's going on? But you can't do that online. You just see that they're not working. And so a lot of it is trying to figure out, like, okay, if a student's not succeeding, you know, what is it? And a lot of these students, they don't have necessarily parents that are home. So you have a 14- or 15-year-old kid sitting at home, theoretically supposed to be doing six hours of schoolwork by themselves, you know, and that just necessarily – doesn't set them up for success so my job is to kind of like try and (laughs) connect with them and then make sure that they have the resources that they need to know like hey oh good job buddy that he's going through his big brother's toys so that's going to be a problem later but we'll just let it go (laughs) it's hard it's that supplemental and then you know of course there's always that you know the last week of school you hear from students that you know magically never called you back the last five weeks of school and then it's that like how do I help them to not just pass, but actually master the material in a way that will help them to be able to move forward in future classes. So it's it's a lot. You have to wear a lot of different hats when you're in the online environment. So
0: I would I would worry in that setting that people would sort of just okay, let's just get you through this. But you have taken the the step too. I'll show them this is this is what mastery looks like. Is that exceptionally difficult to do?
1: It is. It really is because, you know, we get, you know, our student population is different. You know, you get kids who are Olympic athletes or musicians, and that's why they're in the online environment because they're traveling or they're practicing and they can't be like in a brick and mortar school for six hours. Mm-hmm. You get kids trying to like graduate early and have like four and 5.0s. And so they're like working ahead. And then you have kids who are like doing credit recovery and they've failed classes before. So they're trying to do it. You have kids who just like were bullied and they didn't really fit in. Into the brick-and-mortar employment. So, like, depending on the kid's, like, natural inclination, you're, you're getting it. So, you, you know, for us, 60% is passing. Well, you know, a D-minus, like, if you have a transcript full of 60s, that's not going to get you very far in anything. So, yes, you're passing, but what's your next goal? So a lot of times my my message to kids and I and I get a lot of older kids too I mean it's not uncommon for me to have like a 19 or a 20 year old in some of my like junior and senior classes and so you know for them you know if they're not working in things you know I'll flat out tell them and just be really real and be like look you can work your butt off for the next three weeks and get through this course and get to what you really want to do or you can take this again over 15 weeks you know at a brick and mortar school or start over for six weeks I said like you know honestly just bust your butt let's get this done you know or I'll find out what do you want to do? And they'll be like, well, I want to do this. And I'll be like, great, you want that? This is the gatekeeper, because without this, you're not going to get that. So I get that, like, you know, know, Shakespearean literature is not your gig, that's fine, but Shakespearean literature is going to get you to what your gig is. So, like, let's figure out a way to get you through this, you know, into a way that's actually going to be meaningful, that you can learn it and use it, because blah, 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 you know? And then, you know, you'll have kids that say, like, I want to do this or I want to do that. And so trying to connect it to, what they, they do want and what they are interested in and trying to raise that bar past, like, let's just get you through. It helps. And, you know, every so often I do get a student who I'll get them back to back. Like they will have been in my class before and like maybe not done anything. And then they'll show up again in one of my classes. And that's kind of a cool opportunity for me to be like, okay, Hey, like, look, it's round two and you got me again. So like, (laughs) So really like, the universe is telling us something, so what are we going to do this time to make sure, you know, we get you through, and, you know, it's funny, usually that second time the kids end up with, like, at least a C in my class, because they're like, oh, man, like, the universe is going to keep putting me with her until I pass, so.
0: A <laughs> darn universe. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> what are some misconceptions about teaching online that people have said to you, or anything like that, that you feel just aren't true and uh, I would like to give you the floor now to kind of like dispel them because I feel like there's a little bit of a negative connotation there is I
1: think the two biggest stigmas that go with online education is number one it's like not real school and I will tell you flat out as having been a teacher for 15 years and five of those online that our curriculum is as rigorous if not more rigorous than what you will find in any brick and mortar classroom and the challenge is that it's even harder because instead of like having a teacher that's literally like feeding the information to a student a student literally has to take it and assimilate it themselves and so you are reading like it's not watered down like the same thing you would do in a 15-week semester in a brick and mortar class like how many books you read how many projects you're doing all of that they are doing that in a six-week course Mm -hmm. um in summer they're in summer they're doing it in four weeks and and so it is extremely rigorous which is i think why certain students don't succeed right off the bat and it takes them a couple blocks to get it because they come in thinking it's going to be like lesser easier just because of what that stigma is and then they get in there and realize it is quote-unquote real school it's the exact same curriculum they're just doing it on a computer at home rather than you know in their classroom and so I think that's the first thing is realizing that our curriculum is the exact same and the expectations are the same and the standards are the same and then I think the second thing is that actually my students always say this like they're like they'll talk about oh I'm going back to public school I'm going back to public school and it's like you are in public school. Mm-hmm. Like this is public school. This is not private school. You know, it's free. Like it's not it's not a charter school either. Like our school is a is a public school. It's it just is. And so like even the students who go there, like they have this thing like there's online school and there's like regular public school. And it's like that's why we use the phrase brick and mortar. It's like, no, one has like walls and a classroom, but like they're both They're both public school, and I know a lot of times people will tell me, like with with online school, I think like you just said, like, is it just a bunch of students trying to get through? And I think, you know, that's the other thing is, you know, and as a teacher, you have to realize, like, that your population literally is everything, and then we get anything from concurrent students who are going to a brick and mortar at the same time as they're with us. You have the kids who are doing credit recovery, you have the kids who are, you know, have been with us since sixth grade, and this is just their high school, and so really realizing, again you know we have teen parents you have kids who are working full time and doing this you know so really getting to try and know your students early on to understand you know who they are and why they're in that environment can help you to then work with them because you know if you know a kid is you know working 40 hours a week and then also babysitting their niece you know and then they're not turning in their work it's like you can kind of you're going to approach that differently than a kid who just tells me I can't find my laptop, which happens more than you would realize. Uh And so, you know, and then I think that the last thing you have to dispel is I think a lot of times the parents underestimate
0: like what it is. And honestly,
1: I think a lot of the times that the students aren't successful, I I am actually going to put it back on the parents because, for example, like in summer courses, they're four weeks long and, you know, I mean, the parents know the start date, they know the end date, and then they'll take their kid on vacation without their computer for a week. Uh. And it's like you're 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 not setting them up for success in that matter because now there are 10 lessons behind out of 30 lessons, you know, they're going to be stressed if they're completing it, they're not doing it and so, or you'll have parents that are like, oh, you know, our internet's been out, we're going to have someone come out next week and it's like, okay, then you really need to pull your child and put them back in when they have the, the resources necessary and I think a lot of times the parents are underestimating like, the amount of work and, like, the quality of the work that we're looking for, too. And once I think you can get everybody on board with understanding, like, this is regular high school and it's it's hard and it's supposed to be hard because we're preparing your students for everything that's coming in life, I think that really can help everybody be more successful, which is why I think you see the students who have done it for a block or two, they've gotten past the how do I work this system, how do I submit things, how do I get a hold of my teachers, and then they can really focus on, like, okay, now I'm going to really dig
0: into the work. I I totally get that. I did a credit recovery class this last semester and getting parents to even field calls from me was almost like, well, that's not even like a real class. You know, it's, 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 there's no reason for me to even, to even, you know, talk to you because, but is there anything that you wish was, was different about the online classroom? Is there anything you wish you, you could do more?
1: You know, I think, I think the, I think the the thing that I would change is honestly something that's not really in your control. It's it's being able to, to make those connections. The students that I'm able to connect with and understand more, then they are able to do better because, you know, I had a kid the other day, we'll call him Bob, and Bob, he was we're getting to the last week. He was, I think he was like eighteen, you know, trying to just you know finish his class. He was getting close to graduation, but he had fallen behind, but he like reached out to me and he's like, you know, miss, I really want to do this, I don't know. And then like, you know, I gave him some tips and the next day he still hadn't done anything. So I was able to call Bob and be like, Look, you told me this. These are your goals, this is this. And then because I knew what his life looked like for the next four days, we were able to talk. I was able to like specifically work with him, and he passed with like a seventy-nine, you know, and it's one of those things where it was like, but it was because he and I had that open communication, and we were talking that we could do that, and like you just said, it's so hard to even get, you know, a callback, and, you know, thankfully, I have lots of it in my eyes, like, I have a Google text number, so students can text me, they can IM me through the system, they can call me, they can email me, they can portal message me, like, I always joke, they can send me a courier pigeon, like, <laughs> I am here, you know, and so I think, like, just really helping students to feel, you know, because I can't necessarily reach out to every single one of my students every single day in a way that's going to connect with them. And so I do my best, but like once you're able to make that like back and forth conversation with a student, being able to keep that line of dialogue open, I think makes such a world of difference because then you know, okay, they're going to respond to my IMs or they're going to respond to my texts or they will pick up the phone when I call. I think that helps so much because, and then also trying to, you know, build the relationships earlier than just, you know, calling for negative things and calling for positive things and be like, oh my gosh, I saw your revision on that project and that was amazing. That was good. I noticed, you know, and letting students know like, hey, there's a real person here and I see what you're doing. Hey, I saw you didn't work for two days, but boom, you busted out three lessons yesterday and your work was exceptional. I saw that and that was amazing. And all of a sudden you'll realize those students continue to do well. So I think it's a matter of our teachers being able to really pay attention to the students and noticing those changes so that you can let them know that like they're seen because I think a lot of these students just don't feel seen Mm -hmm. and then being able to have that open line of communication and not letting it close so it's not just like you send your progress report and you move on but like if they respond back to you great respond back with another question and like keeping that dialogue open so then if you're talking about like oh you're auditioning for the school play or oh you're going out for football or whatever then you can throw in at the end oh by the way I noticed your discussion board posts only have one sentence don't forget to make them three sentences and you're going to watch your grades skyrocket well they're going to keep opening that email so they're going to actually see that compared to the kids who say oh yeah i haven't opened any of your emails for two weeks Mm -hmm. and so i think you know once you can build that relationship you're able to do more because you have the buy-in from them which again is very hard in our setting but i think if we can do that we're gonna see a higher success rate across
0: the board thank you so much for for joining me i i i feel like i got an education Uh, (laughs) it's a different world for sure Thank you, Kimberly, for joining me on the podcast. Enjoy your upcoming trip to the Grand Canyon with your kids and good luck on the school year to come. Thank you for listening into the podcast, everyone. If you like this episode, go subscribe to Educator Escape on your favorite podcast platform. After you do that, go like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram to get insights into each episode. On Wednesday, I am joined by Kurt Powers. He talks about his transition from teaching middle school science for over 20 years, finally fulfilling a career goal of teaching Project Lead the Way. I want to leave you with this quote from Ken Robinson to be adventurous this school year. If you're not prepared to be wrong, you'll never come up with anything original. Have a great start to your week. Join me on Wednesday for my conversation with Kurt Powers.